Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Men is here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Menes will be doing long form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. The first bonus episodes are available now. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Now, on with today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your co-host, Menas. Joining me this week is Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Good, Menas. How are you going? Really good. And the other panellist is my date from last Friday night, Jaleesa Apps. No. Jaleesa, how are you? I was not your date. Well, if you anything, kind of were. If anything, you were my acquaintance at the award. <laughs> well, we had a great time at the New South Wales Cricket Awards yeah. dinner. Uh, unfortunately, Paul wasn't there. You were, you were sort of um, missed by us. Mm. Um, we did have a couple of people come over and say, "Oh, do we get a a live uh, podcast recording now?" No one said, "Where's Paul?" So we we had one person, and then we repeated that line to literally everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? You know, Mitchell Stark or someone didn't come and say, "Where's Paul?" Uh, no, no, not this time. I thought okay. Ollie Davis did. Yes, we actually tried. We actually tried to find Ollie Davies to get a photo with him, but it was past his bedtime and he'd already gone home. He said, but "Where's Paul? I've got that brown paper bag of cash that I meant to give." We, him. we actually really did try and find Ollie for we him. Actually, we, we, we I'm pretty glad you didn't. We actually genuinely did, but um, he had clearly been warned and he stayed and well away from MJ, me. Well away. It was actually a great night at the New South Wales Cricket Awards dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the top honours went to Sean Abbott as the Steve. Steve Waugh medalist. Steve Waugh was there. And 
I think it was a condition of him being there that they talked about the book to open things up um, because that was like the opening comment. The other winner was Rachel Haynes, who won the Alex Blackwell medal. Um, there was a couple of uh, problems, though, with all the Poms winning the awards. James Vince, Alex Hales and Heather Knight all won awards for being the player of their Big Bash franchises. So that was a little bit disappointing. I think, Jaleesa, there needs to be a rule where Poms are um, forbidden from winning awards at those nights. This really bothered you, didn't it? I did, yeah. It's the New South Wales Cricket Awards. I mean, We actually did have quite a few people that had to phone there or I guess video their responses in because not only were they uh, a lot of POMs that won, but a lot of the others were at IPL. So That's right. Warner won Warner. Um, One Day Player of the Year award. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure there's Maybe. been there's probably plenty of times when someone like Darren Lehman won Yorkshire Player of the Year and various different Australians. Michael Bevan over there. It I didn't so. anger me as much as it did Manners, particularly because like Alex Hales is pretty brilliant and so I was happy to see... You know, yeah, they, they did look a little grim over there, though, because we were all having like a great night. And they're all you in know, lockdown, drinking and eating and mingling, and they're all filming in lockdown, which is pretty sad. I have to say, all three of those players deserved their awards. Vince Ailes, Vince, former guest on this show, they were all excellent. Um, but I think there should be some legislation brought in uh, for next summer. Yeah, if Australia won the Ashes five nil with four innings victories and, and one non innings victory. Menes would be like, why didn't we get five innings victories? <laughs> that would be, definitely. <laughs> and uh, another um, nice um, moment on the night was the former New South Wales and Australian wicketkeeper Brian Tabor was inducted into the New South Wales Cricket Hall of, Hall of Fame. That was quite um, – I was very happy to be there. I'd, I've coached a lot with Brian Tabor over the years. I know um, Jaleesa doesn't believe I did coaching, but I used to coach um, in all the school holidays. No, you Brian you Tabor. You were very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you did some good coaching. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, but Brian Tabor taught me a lot. He's a great man, and I was thrilled that he was recognised for his immense contribution to New South Wales cricket. He was the incumbent, and Rodney Marsh tipped him out. wasn't It wasn't that the case in the the late sixties, early seventies. A bit um, Marsh was sort of the, the better batsman, so he got the gig. Yeah, Tabsy didn't have a great record with the bat, but a brilliant um, contributed at all levels to cricket. Even post playing, he spent a lot of time with uh, young teams and coaching and selecting. So he has been a lifelong contributor to New South Wales cricket. Well, for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered, we're going to start off by discussing the cricket headlines. The the I, Well, Paul, you were ahead of the game last week saying the IPL should be cancelled. It seems like yeah. that issue's really gathered speed since our last show, so we'll talk about that, the contract... Um, the, the contracts that were handed out by Cricket Australia. And then to wrap things up, we've got a little bit of a sort of review of the season where we've sort of picked all picked some of our favourite moments from the very long cricket season. Well, let's start off with the, the IPL. Paul, what's happened since our last show? No, it's just, it's just devastating. It's so such a sad, terrifying situation in India. Um, you know, some of the worst parts are reading reputable articles in publications like the New York Times and the Financial Times of London where they're saying that as high as the death rate is, and it may be, you know, 2,000 a day, when they've kind of cross-checked it against the um, what's going on at the various different crematoria, that the true death rate might be two times, five times, or even ten times as high as it actually is. 
the, the case numbers um, already at levels that are almost impossible to understand are actually vastly higher than that. And my social media, I have a lot of Indians that I follow and follow me, and it's just kind of um, become so noticeable of all the, the people sort of uh, giving contact numbers to, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've got an oxygen cylinder, please call me. If you, It's really sad. Yeah, and, and things like, you know, you won't be able to get one here, but if you drive five hours to this city and you speak to this guy, you might be able to get one and... Yeah, it's just a, a horrendous human tragedy and I earnestly hope that the rest of the world uh, gets together to give as much help to India as possible. Obviously, it's the right thing to do and from a secondary point of view, the whole world cannot be safe from corona until everyone is safe and this is where the current crisis is and, and action must be taken. It's very concerning with regards to the IPL, Ravi Ashwin's pulled out of the tournament. Adam Zamper and Kane Richardson are on their way home. Andrew Ty's already at home. And as we record this on Tuesday, the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, Scott Morrison has banned all flights from India uh, coming into Australia. And he says Australian cricketers playing in the IPL won't be prioritised. Now, this bans till the middle of May, but there's a real chance now that the Australian players, coaches and um, commentators that are over there for the IPL might not be able to get home. It's a really delicate issue because, if, you know, if you had a family member in, in India who wanted to get home and couldn't, then you'd have no sympathy for the for the cricketers whatsoever. You'd say, you know, they've gone over there as, um, uh, for the money and they're not representing Australia, so... Um, Even if they were representing Australia. Yeah, but I take a different view in the sense that I think that it's only a very small number of them. I think, de facto, they kind of are representing Australia in the sense that Pat Cummins have made a donation of $50,000 to the Indian charity. The response to that has been enormous, that... Although they are in it for their own money, they're also kind of goodwill ambassadors for Australia. I was happy that they were over there because the the World Cup that's due to be in October and November meant that the Australian players were going to get great experience in Indian conditions. So, so my point of view would be no Australian over there should be um, pushed behind any of the of the current cricketers in the queue. But if Cricket Australia can charter a plane to get them home, if they've come from a very safe biosecure hub if they've been vaccinated as, as is the plan if they then do their and if they then do their quarantine um and it's something that cricket australia or the players pay for then i'd be okay with that as long as it didn't mean that any other australian was slowed down and getting back i well i think there's no doubt that there are still going to be australians over there even when the cricketers um come back that have probably been waiting a really long time to be coming back. Oh, definitely. But I'm saying those people shouldn't be made to wait any longer because of the cricketers. Um, yeah. That if they can get the cricketers back as a total separate process to them, um, I think it's if they can do so and it's a, in a safe way, given that they'll have been vaccinated, they've been in a biosecure hub, and if Cricket Australia meet the payment for that and it doesn't cause any Australian over there to be pushed back further, then and only then I'd be okay with that. Mm. I found Morrison's attitude in the press conference a little bit careless about the Australian cricketers. I don't think they should be um, given sort of special treatment, but I do think they're in a completely different situation. They are kind of representing Australia, mm. as you said, Paul, but not. But the, the politics of the situation are that the way the relationship between Cricket Australia and the BCCI is that it would have been a stunning step for Cricket Australia to say all the players can't go to the IPL. And that would have caused a lot of problems, you can imagine, down the track with negotiations with India over future tours. So 
they should be given an option to come home. You're right. They shouldn't get, um, you know, be taking someone else's seat. But if they can get a chartered flight into the country, that should not be stopped. Yeah, I agree. It's very hard to go over there for doing your job and then, you know, this happens. It's part of the, like, you couldn't really foresee that it was going to be this bad a few months ago when they agreed to this. No, not at all. Well, that's the concerning situation in India. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all the um, Indian fans listening and we'll be thinking of you over this tough time. I hope Pat Cummins, their 50,000 donation kicks off a lot of donations. Mm, That's really good of him. All right, now some oh, sorry, more man. cricket news. She's playing footsies with me again, like <laughs> at the New South Wales Awards dinner. Um, anyway. Sorry, I've got really long legs. You don't know. You don't know the Not that long. Anyway. You don't know what it you feels what like it to have long like. legs. <laughs> yeah, Certainly what, don't. That's exactly what I was saying, Paul. Paul and I are just here cramped up. I'm stretched out. Menace, I can menace, barely, barely touch the floor. Menace needs help up his seat. All right, well, oh, I'm sorry, man. It's that's a bit it's cruel. too easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, in the last week, the Cricket Australia contract list has been announced. 17 players were given a contract. There is some controversy around Will Pekofsky and Travis Head not being offered contracts. I think that in the 17 that are listed, I would not have given Alex Carey or Kane Richardson a contract. Kane Richardson is a white ball bowler that is not even necessarily a starter in our white ball teams. And Alex Carey just keeps in the 50-over game. He's not even our full white ball keeper. So I would have taken both those two out and probably found room for at least Travis Head and probably Will Pekofsky as well. I don't see why they couldn't have had um, the current 17 plus a couple more. There's no limit. There's no rule that you can only have 17. I think that's the minimum. So I, I think that um, Perkovsky and Head would have been worthwhile additions to it. I love how Chad Sayers has <laughs> sent out a tweet, absolute disgrace that Travis Head couldn't find himself a spot on that on the contract list. It's kind of freeing that, you know, you've retired, now you can fire, off on fire up on both barrels. But it's good loyalty as well. Um, but particularly with Travis Head, I mean, looking at his numbers, he – Averages 39.8 in tests and 40.8 in first-class cricket. He's 27. This summer, he only got three test innings, 7, 38, and 17. So he didn't really get an enormous opportunity. I've never been a massive uh, advocate for him. But what I watched in the Ashes in 2019 and what I've seen subsequently, I'm willing to say he might be someone who's got a, a long-term test future. And just looking at that, that he's, um, if you can divide his career into two halves, from 2011-12 to 2018, he averaged 35.9 with seven centuries. And then from then till now, he averages 48.9 with eight centuries. I think that those last few years are enough of an indicator to me to say he might well be someone on the up and up. I think it's a pity that he didn't get a contract. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that he should have he should have got a contract. The only 17, I mean... To me, that's just cost cutting. It's just saving money, Definitely. you know, because you're you're obviously when you're contracted to Cricket Australia, you're paid for you know using your image and using promotion of the game and all that kind of thing. So I'm assuming that's just a cost cutting measure, but it is apparently the the national contracts are about double the state contracts. Yeah, it's a um, it's a from previous years, it's quite a small looking list. I when I first opened it up, I went okay, and where's the second page? Um, but um, I, the notable one for me was Perkowski because I looked at that list and thought, okay, so 
who's the open other opener with Warner? It'll be Pekovsky, right? If everything is going well for him, and you'd imagine that against in the Ashes against England, he'll he'll be the other opener. Um, so I just found it really bizarre not to put him on a Cricket Australia contract now. I agree. I can't understand why they didn't. And you know, until he dislocated his shoulder, I mean, he was looking like he was going to be. Um, almost a lock in the side. He has, hasn't cemented a spot yet, but he, such promise, such a good record. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I find that puzzling and a, a bit of a slap in the face to someone who probably doesn't deserve to to have that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so upset about Pekofsky missing out because I think he's got a long way to go to prove himself and he's been in and out of first-class cricket over the last few years. But someone like Travis Head, they've invested a lot of time and um, experience into him over the last three years. He's been in and around that squad. He was vice-captain. It, it is a bit stranger than he would be left out. And as I said, if I was Travis Head, I'd be looking at Kane Richardson and to a lesser extent Alex Carey and thinking, surely if they could find room for them, they can find room for me. Mm. Yeah, it was sort of a baffling one and the the thing that I found like there was actually quite a lot of outrage on Twitter and the social medias and such when this when this list came out and I think that people sometimes look at this list and see it as the team yeah I don't I think people get a little bit too fired up sometimes this isn't the team this is just people who are paid more for using their image promoting the game that kind of thing so uh, and the players can get a contract when they're picked and it doesn't affect the selectors. The selectors don't go, no. oh, who's contracted? Yeah. Oh, no, I'll pick that other yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's okay, contracted. Adam Zampa's contracted, so we'll put him in the site. It just doesn't. So I think people get a little bit too fired up. Um, whilst I think that Pekofsky deserved a contract and probably Travis Head as well, um, it doesn't mean they're not going to play. Hones intimated in his press conference that – I wouldn't say regrets the right word, but he did say something that perhaps in hindsight they should have rotated Australia's quicks throughout summer. And he he sort of intimated that they felt that they should have picked Pattinson in the last test match and they they missed a trick there against India. In hindsight, he's absolutely right. But I can't criticise them because I think if I went back through my tweets and everything I said in the lead-up to the Gabba test – I wasn't calling for that. So, you know, um, in hindsight, it would have been the right thing to do, but it fooled me as well. I agree. And he did say that it's about time where they take some of these decisions out of the bowler's hands. If, say, Hazelwood, Stark and come and say, no, no, we're right, that the selectors actually might end up having to make a call uh, that they don't have a lot of faith in their, their own assessment. Well, I thought to a degree they'd already done that. I mean, 2019, uh, I'm sure that Mitchell Stark was saying, I'm right, I'm right, pick me, pick me. And they, they rotated him out. Um, and so maybe maybe they were loath to do that again after um, doing it to him in 2019. They probably should have picked him at the final test in 2019 and not picked him for the final test of, of last summer. But as I said, uh, you know, that's Yeah, just... and look, I was with you. I would have picked Stark in the last test. Yeah. Didn't know what Rishabh Pant was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hones also spoke about his concerns with Australia not having enough test preparation for the Ashes. The way the schedule's working out that the Australian white ball, the T20 team, could be playing in the World Cup when the Shield starts. And therefore, those players that come back from the T20 World Cup will get basically no Shield cricket and possibly just one test against Afghanistan to prepare for the Ashes. And Hones did make it clear that he is concerned about that. Reminds me a little bit of what happened in England a couple of seasons ago where 
so many of the England players are in the IPL and the Pakistan side actually played a test match in Ireland first. And then when they played the first test match, that if you looked at test matches played in, uh, sorry, first class games played in England or Ireland, so sort of similar conditions in the lead up to the test match, several of the Pakistani players had had actually more experience in the, 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 the home conditions the, of England than, than the England players had had. It, it's, it would be unfortunate if it, if it panned out that way, but I think with the pandemic and everything going on, it's, this is one of these things. I just yeah. don't think you can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you would expect that the English team will be coming from that T20 World Cup as well, so they'll be in a similar situation preparation-wise. Yeah, and Pakistan then did beat England in the first test of that in that, in that series. So, I mean, as far as the Ashes are concerned, as much as I'm a um, you know patriotic Australian, if England happened to get a bit of a jump on Australia at the Gabba and, and, you know, we created a much more competitive Ashes series than we otherwise might have had, it might end up being for the best. Don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> All right, well, they were the cricket headlines. Let's now take a break and then we'll be back to discuss the 2021 season. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas. I'm with Paul and Jaleesa. And we thought it would be appropriate to look back at the season that was 2021, the longest season in memory, the longest season, I think, in Australian cricket history. It started in September, which I think it started when Australia played New Zealand in the women's uh, 50 over series and then concluded with the Shield final in mid-April. For me, it was a dream summer it could have just could have kept going as far as I was concerned, but uh, it's over. We've got a few months off before the next season begins. And Paul, you got a couple of highlights from the summer you want to start off with? Well, I mean, for a start, it's just the one of the most bizarre summers in history. That when you look back on it, you've got to give a lot of congratulations to Cricket Australia for making it all happen to the Australian players, to the Indian players for playing such a big part in it. To the New South Wales government for letting this Indian team in. Yep. And I think to all of the, um, to the to the nation of Australia, our governments for, for um, having got us to a point of um, handling the pandemic better than most countries. We haven't done everything perfectly, but um, to, to have allowed crowds in to a degree throughout the whole season is, um, you know, a phenomenal achievement. For me, what sort of highlights what a strange situation we're in is that as we go to air, we are 27 months since the Australian men's team last played a one-day game at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. By the time that that next happens, it'll be three years, a gap. Now, part of that was because the previous summer, Australia had to go to India and it was a weird summer as well. But when you think about, it wasn't that long ago that you could bank on 60, 70, 80,000 for the MCG and it was the, the highlight of the summer, Australia playing one day as the MCG. To are now going to a point where we're going to have three years with no games there at all. It <clears throat> highlights what a weird summer we've had and how, how much the world has changed. Yeah, we were really fortunate in Sydney that we got the whole WBBL played. There was a, Most of the Indian white ball games were played in Sydney. Uh, we got the test match away. But that's crazy that there hasn't been a 50-over game in at the MCG for three years. It will be three years by the time they do have one, yeah. Incredible. All right, well, Paul, start us off. What have you got from the summer? Well, let's start with best innings. Mm-hmm. Best innings of the summer. And for me, you know, there were, there were plenty that I enjoyed. Um, but the one that I respected the most was, was Rishabh Pant's 89 not out at the Gabba to win the Test match for India. Um, and we'll, we'll, go, we'll keep on revisiting 
this match. <laughs> then as eventually you'll probably turn my microphone off because um, it was a pretty painful match for Australian fans. But you've got to say, given the history, Australia hadn't been beaten there for um, since 88, 89. Given the fact that India had never beaten Australia in Australia except for two summers ago when we had all the excuses. Yeah. Um, given the fact that India were missing um, you know, basically their whole side. And that Pant up till then had been known as uh, a sort of guy that would come out and either play a brilliant innings or get out for a duck. He actually played a really mature innings, spliced with a bit of um, brilliance and a little bit of madness. But for India to actually go for the total when they, um, you know, they didn't need to win in order to to um, retain the trophy. Yeah, I, I just think it was a special innings and one of the all time great non centuries that I've ever seen. I agree. Julissa. I agree with that. And I also just wanted to special mention, obviously not test cricket, but special mention to Jack Edwards, 108 off 122 balls. I just really enjoyed in the Marsh One Day Cup final. Um, I just really enjoyed watching him. I just thought it was a really patient, um, well-played innings. And it was just one of the ones that I just really just will stick out to me as something that was just full of a lot of skill. Yeah, I agree. He's a lovely batter to watch. Tall, elegant right-hander. And uh, that's a good pick. It's always great to see young talent emerge. My favourite innings of the summer, it's hard to choose between Smith's 62-ball, his two 62-ball centuries at the SCG. I, I did like the second one. And I was at both of them because he was so annoyed that he didn't do it in 61 balls. I think Marnus turned down a second that would have meant he'd broken um, his own record from the game before of 62 two balls. But just being at the SCG with a very full house and Smith peeling off runs, Australia making a big total, uh, just a phenomenal pair of innings from Steve Smith. Absolutely. I mean, that's my second place as well. I bracket them together and... The the fact that he's been known as not necessarily a big hitter, and yet those those two innings, they're they what are they like third and fourth fastest Australian um, one day centuries ever, and just some of the shots he played, it was just like the the you know the angles that he could hit the ball, it was just some of the most entertaining batting I've ever seen. All right, now our Test Player of the Summer. This was unanimous between Paul and I. Same. Rishabh Pant. It was the Pant Summer of Rishabh Pant. And all the more remarkable when he didn't even get a gig in the first test. They picked Ritam and Sahar in the first test. You know, wouldn't have thought that three test matches later, all three of us were going to say that Rishabh Pant was the player of the summer. Yeah, incredible. I loved his counter-attacking innings at the SCG in the third test when every sort of cricket sensibility says you just play conservative cricket and he just came out and smashed the Aussie bowlers all over the place yeah. and and it just put the Aussie bowlers off. They could just never recover. It certainly put Tim Bain off. It's funny because it was um, going into this series, it was like we'll never know what this series could have been like with Coley. Mm. And by the end of it, it was like we'll never know what this series would have been like like without Pant. Absolutely. You know, Virat who by the end? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I would have rather Virat over <laughs> Pant in the end. Most baffling selection of the summer. And for me, it was Joe Burns for the first test. Now, I know that he... Joe Burns at all. And uh, Yeah. And, I mean, I suppose when they So it wasn't enough to bash him all summer. You have to bash him in our I'm review. I'm having a go at Joe. No, yeah, this you is... Are. Uh, if you go back a few podcasts, and I encourage you all, I, don't, I can't remember what you said, Paul, but I thought it was very unfair on Joe Burns to pick him. Well, probably, yeah. I mean, I, I think that Joe Burns is a very, very good player. I just think that the, 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 the lead-up form that he had shown 
meant that you couldn't possibly pick him on averages. And to be fair to him, yeah, he got a second innings 50. So probably picking him for the second test wasn't as a as a big a, an error because at least he had some form going into it. But he, he then did fail in the second test, got dropped thereafter. So, um, yeah, I think that it was um, a disappointing selection. Now, Paul's got an award I'm for not, worst I'm commentator. Not, I'm not participating. I'm, I'm a bit gun-shy with this one now, I'm Paul. Gu- I'm really gun-shy. Who's your worst commentator? Andrew awful. Mensel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I deserve that one. Sorry, let's keep going. (laughs) Uh, Brian Lara, I think that they brought him out for the Big Bash and it just didn't look like he was all that interested. That's all. He just seemed like he was um, a little bit bored by by the Big Bash and produced a a fairly insipid performance. Yeah, he wasn't great. I really enjoyed Merv Hughes being in the ABC commentary box for the MCG test. Loved hearing Swerve and Merv on the mic. So why have you gone gun-shy manners? Normally you'd have a list of about 800 that you'd um, bag. <laughs> You're trying to curry favour now. You want to... Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to get a job commentator. <laughs> I actually sort of thought about this. There was actually no commentator that stood out to me, apart from Kristen Beams, as being not great. Um, so I Not can't, great? I can't give a fake award out. I thought they were all really good apart from the player I just named. Most frustrating player of the summer. For me, it was Pekovsky, not through really any of his own fault, but after um, all the travails he's had and then to have a yet another um, concussion at the start of the summer and then to finally get a game to score a very fluent 60. There was a really touching interview with his dad that was just so glorious to hear. And then to have that um, con- uh, uh, dislocation of the shoulder and then to be kind of on the sidelines yet again, as I said at the start of the show. Very frustrating, not through his fault, um, but hopefully we'll still see a fine career out of him. Jaleesa, do you have a frustration of the summer? Yep. Tim Payne. Oh, yes, load up. Tim Payne was my frustration of the summer because he was getting frustrated and it was making me frustrated <laughs> and it was get stressing me out. Not be like the sledging and all that aside, that, uh, you know, probably was all a bit of an overreaction at the time, but more just the fact that he was just lost his way completely as a leader and just was getting so agitated and you could almost see he could and he dropped so many (laughs) balls because it it was like he was too tense like you could see that he was just too tense trying to to catch and to the tension in his body was you could just feel it through the tv and I hated watching every second of Tim Payne I love that answer We'll be seeing Tim Payne at the Chapel Foundation dinner in a couple of weeks. We can chat to him about these issues. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear our thoughts. Sure he won't be listening. But if he is, hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Come and nice. say hi at the dinner. Um, I'm nicer in person. My frustrating player of the summer. I did actually wonder, like, what if Payne said to me, aren't you the guy that thinks I should be replaced? God, you think high of yourself. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think he'll actually say that. You're laying in bed going, oh, but I wonder God, what, imagine if he said that to me and then I said this and he said No, this. I didn't play it out like and then, that. And then he asked me to be a selector and then... <laughs> oh, man, can, you, can, you, can I have your number can so you I can coach? just reach I you out? Coach. <laughs> and then he writes his autobiography, you know, Tim Payne and Andrew Mensel, together we, <laughs> together we conquered the world. <laughs> Our Ashes victory. Yes. <laughs> Why I retired. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking, like, if I went up to him and said, g'day, like, really friendly, and he's just like, aren't you the guy that um, wants me to get out of my job? And I'd just be like, I would just, like, totally cave. Oh, no, Tim. No, 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 you're doing a great job. <laughs> That's great. Oh, it's just, it's just for the show. <laughs> Will you come on? <laughs> Please give me a couple of minutes of your time. Um, all right. Now, uh, my frustrating player of the summer is... Is Matthew Wade. 
what annoys me about Wade is he was in form all summer. <laughs> he was batting probably as good as anyone in the national setup, just didn't score any runs. So he's out of the team, he's out of the contract list, and my man's career at the top level may be coming to an end. All right, Paul, now after your worst commentator of the summer, you've tried to redeem yourself with your top three commentators of the summer. What I should say, <laughs> the spirit of this show in the early days was the commentary critique was your favourite thing where you bagged everyone. <laughs> Suddenly I'm out of step uh, with that. I'm in trouble for having... <laughs> no. Oh, no, Paul. You've said it now, Paul. you just got to back yourself. Yeah, oh, yeah. Brian Charles, lift your game. But um, the, the my top three were all from Channel 7, and I saw a lot more of the Channel 7 coverage this year than ever before. And I was quite impressed with it. But just Tim Lane, Ricky Ponting, and Alison Mitchell, those three to me, just all class. Ponting for an ex-player, often a bit sceptical about ex-players um, getting into the commentary box. I think, you know, come on, you've, you, what, what, what can you bring? But um, Ponting, Ponting, just his analysis of the game is, is second to none. And Mitchell and Lane, for me, just give it class and gravitas and they have the smooth professional, knowledgeable style that I love. There were others. Well, I think Sonny Gaviscar was an honourable mention. I think when he's not under the kind of control of the BCCI, he presents a really good alternative voice. Um, so, yeah, those three were my favourites. Well, they're good choices. What about you, Jaleese? Any favourite commentators? Yeah, my favourites, like a long-running favourite, is Lisa Stalaker. Oh, good one. I just always think that she um, says things when they're needed. She doesn't over... My biggest pet hate in a lot of sporting commentary is screeching for no reason. Like, it just annoys me. Have you heard me commentate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can feel the passion behind you, though, man. You're actually screeching because you're that excited. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, and I just feel like Lisa just adds this really calm, like, intelligent cricket mind to a lot of commentary, and I really like it. Well, that's lovely. What do you think of um, Danny Morrison? Danny Morrison. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I love Danny Morrison. I think the, the New Zealand fast bowler commentates in the IPL. Oh, the double Ds. Oh, He's no, out I for half a dozen. Out. I know. Oh, it's a maximum. Yeah, I no, love him. I, he's I fantastic. He's about, I think yeah. he's. Look, um, there's a place for it almost in the IPL, though. Yeah. Because it is also over dramatic and like, like there's a lot of build. Yeah. He means well, but yeah. uh, he's just not. He's not for me. Yeah. Well, I don't really have a top three commentators of the summer. He's going to list every single no, commentator. I'm just going <laughs> to actually say that this summer, for some reason, the commentators did not either anger me or make me particularly happy at any point. <laughs> I was very ambivalent towards them, which is not great for this podcast, but I have to say I thought Warney had a bad summer in, in the commentary box. I think Warney just seemed to be uh, wheeling out you know, cliche after cliche. He didn't seem interested. Mm. So I wouldn't have him in my top three commentators. Um, so, yeah, Warney's probably the only one. Warney can say what he not wants. Not in that um, top three. Paul, you have the first class team of the summer. Stats are the only criteria. Seven batters, four bowlers, chosen by average minimum of 500 runs or 20 wickets. So you've got Pekofsky and Inglis at the top of the order. I know. I put them in top of, in batting order, in, in order of averages for the summer okay. in first class cricket. So Perkovsky, Inglis, Enriquez, Labashain, Green, Renshaw, and Head. So 
Pekovsky averaged 118, down to head averaging 57. And the next one, if he'd made it, was um, Sean Abbott, who with an average of 57.0 would have been eighth best. And then in terms of the four bowlers, if you just said, who are the best four bowlers in terms of bowling average minimum 20 wickets? I don't think many people would have picked Jack Wildermuth as number one, but bowling average of 21.2, Jackson Bird, 22.5, Pat Cummins, 23.2, Scott Boland, 24.0. Uh, Michael Nisa would have just missed out. He would have been in sixth place, 24.3. Mitchell Swepson, 26.8. Oh, and Hazelwood, I missed him as well. He would have been fifth place at 24.1, so he would have just missed out as well. So some of the flawed system. Oh, it's just a, it just is what it is. I'm not saying this is how we select the side. Just saying it's how you'd like to select the side. No, no, no. I'd, I'd I'd allow more than just averages, but I'm just saying just looking at the whole season, just in terms of best averages, these are the people who had them. I don't know stats, boy. It's all looking a bit weird to me. <laughs> no, but this is this is this is as I said, it, it is what it is. I've got a question for you, Jaleesa. Okay. Who is going to make more test runs, Matt Renshaw or Will Pekovsky? Will Pekovsky, if he stays fit. It's no preface. What, so I can't say what. So if he gets, he might not stay fit. Like who do you who do you think from now is going to make the most test runs? Will Pekovsky. Okay. Me too. Paul? Me too. All right. I still think Renshaw. He's going to have a very successful test career. Really? Yep. He may well. He may well. And some of the other interesting numbers for the year that, um, so some of the test players, Harris averaged 52. That's not bad. Payne, 40. Wade, 38. Steve Smith only averaged 37 across all first class cricket. Terrible year. Warner, 27. Burns, 23. The last two bowling I didn't mention. Lyon averaged 31 for the summer. So he had a poor test summer, but a good shield summer. So 31 is pretty good. But the interesting line, Mitchell Stark of 44.6, a pretty forgettable summer for him. Now, uh, best matches of the summer. Moments that will stay with me for years to come. I've mentioned this game before. I'll mention it again. The Sydney Thunder semi-final defeat of the Brisbane Heat in the WBBL semi-final at North Sydney Oval. The Thunder were defending 143, and the double defending champs were four for 119, only needing 25 to win the game and get a spot in the final, and they lost six for 12. Hannah Darlington was part of that collapse, bowling very well, and uh, she did well in the final, but just an excellent, uh, exciting night at North Sydney Oval. It was it was really magical the way the Thunder turned that game around, and the crowd was into it, and it was just brilliant. Um, so, yeah. Love that one. Jaleesa? My, fav- my um, best match of the summer was the final um, of the Sixers and the Scorchers in the BBL. Um, just for, not necessarily because the game was the closest game or anything, but more because of the feeling it was like to be there mm. after COVID. Because it was sort of the first um, big sporting event where you'd actually had a pretty packed crowd. I think it was ended up being 75%, I think they allowed it. And it just felt like we'd made it over this really awful period. That's and how I felt about that game I spoke about in the WBBL. Yeah. It was that kind of feeling that we were everyone coming was, out of this malaise. Yes, and every, everyone was like so excited and it was just everyone was singing and getting into the cr- cricket and cheering every wicket and drinking and having fun and it just felt like um, how good is Australia? I guess that's exactly how I felt like it oh, summed up. Nice. And I just really liked the feeling it gave me. 
And also I took people who, some who hadn't, like, didn't even know who was pl- who were playing and they had such a good time. So it was just so nice Ooh, to bring Speaking of people that don't know cricket, <laughs> when are we going to address the fact that I was 100% right no, that's coming up. about Robert Fairhead? No, that's coming up. <laughs> okay, well, that's we'll coming up and can't let it go. Review. That's coming up and can't let it go. All right, we'll let that go. Right. Um, You're kidding, Harry. Right again, manners. Um, Paul, what's your favourite match of the summer? Mine was a game in the Big Bash on the 23rd of December, Adelaide versus Brisbane Heat. Um, and again, don't endorse gambling, but I had a small bet on Adelaide. And they, <laughs> they, somebody they, doesn't endorse gambling. <laughs> they promptly uh, made 150, and then the Brisbane Heat absolutely collapsed. They were 5 for 66. And I remember looking and seeing that the Brisbane Heat had gone out to 420 to 1. And I'm thinking I probably should put, um, uh, you know, a dollar on that just to kind of um, secure my situation. So you put 20. I put nothing on it. Um, um, And all of a sudden, uh, James Baisley scored 49 not out of 31. And Brisbane got to the point where off the final ball, they needed two to win. They they scampered through for a single. Steckity dived in and was home and therefore it should have, you know, it should have been a super over. So they were on the verge of 50-50 of winning, but his bat just before the line bounced up and the ball hit the stumps and he was run out. And it was like, wow, um, I'm actually glad I didn't have that dollar on them at 401 <laughs> because I would have lost it and I won my bet. Uh, but it was what an emotional roller coaster, And it was the big bash at its best. It was bonkers, but brilliant. I have a, a runner-up for my favourite match of the summer. It was on Boxing Day. They played the Boxing Day test, then they had one big bash game, then they had another one starting about 9.30pm. It turned out to be an absolute corker. Oh, yeah, I remember that at one. At the Metricon Stadium, I think. Yeah. The Stars v the Sixers. Finished at like one in the morning. Finished one in the morning, which was my dream. I love <laughs> late-night cricket. It's so lovely being up late at night and there's cricket on, and um, especially that was being played in Australia. And, uh, Sixers needed 20 off the last over, and they got there with one ball to spare. Dan Hughes, 96, not out. That was just an amazing day because you'd had the sort of flat first day of the test, and then we had an amazing couple of big bash games. So love that. Keep it going every year, nonstop cricket on Boxing Day. To end our review, let's end on a negative. What was the worst moment of the summer? Let's end on a negative. (laughs) Well, for me, there was... The two that stand out was the SCG Mohammed Siraj racism controversy and the fact that throughout the whole summer, Channel 7 were engaged in legal action against um, Cricket Australia that we covered it at the time that you don't want your main broadcaster um, at loggerheads with you. Ultimately, um, the cricket delivered in the end um, and so I think that that was, you know, I suppose if we look back and think if it had been a four-test summer of four boring draws or nothing really happened, then maybe cricket wouldn't be in as good a position. The fact that it really took a while, but it really did captivate the nation. And as you said, Menas, in many ways it captivated the nation because we were honouring the brilliance of the away team. And sometimes that's the best summer, that when you kind of get familiar with the opposing team and start to think, wow, how good is this with, you know, all these... People are now household names. Um, so, yeah, the, but it was disappointing that there was legal action going throughout the season. Any negatives for you, Jaleesa? Uh, I'd agree with both of those. Um, yeah, the racism controversy was just a really ugly look um, and the legal action was not good for cricket nor for broadcasters. So, yeah, I 
have nothing really further to add. I agree. Well, all I'm going to add to that is my worst moment of the summer. It's not one moment, but it's it's the way the Australian cricket team did not um, show solidarity with the BLM movement. Uh, that was a real disappointment for me. Um, but, yeah, other than that, though, I have to say it was an amazing summer. Uh, I just want to shout out the Queensland Fire, the Queensland women's team that won the WNCL for the first time in their history. Tremendous achievement. And Georgia Redmayne leading the team to victory. They're my team of the summer, along with the Indian tourists. Well, that's it for our review of the summer. We'll take a quick break, then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast and it's the last segment, Can't Let It Go time, where we discuss that little bit of cricket news we just can't let go through to the keeper. So, Jaleesa, you've got something on your mind? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. And, oh, I am just giddy with bragging rights. Let me tell you, my chest is puffed out. My tail is up. I am excited. So, Robert Fairhead. He is a long-term listener, loyal listener of the show. We love interacting with him. Robert inter- uh, Robert sent in last week that his reliable niece, and I have no question over that after hearing all of this, his reliable <laughs> niece had said that she was watching a grade cricket game. First factual error. In Sydney. Well, I'll, uh, please, I'm talking. Pipe and, down. And Pipe up. down over there, love. <laughs> Um, (laughs) You'll get your chance. Um, So in a grade cricket game, she had been watching and I don't know if she specified where as a bowler or just a fieldsman, but caught the ball. So that was the batsman out and then turn around and did a run out. And so basically both batters were out. Um, she was savaged on this show last week by she both. She's a thousand percent wrong. S- just stop. <laughs> she was savaged on this show and said, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Definitely didn't, didn't, didn't happen. happen. Didn't happen. And I said, whoa, 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 hang on. Were you there? Were you there? Do you know that happened? No, no, no. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I put through, I put forward the case that perhaps she wasn't watching grade cricket. Perhaps she was watching another form of cricket in Sydney. But I believed that the incident did happen. No, no. There were several ridiculous explanations given. One of them was like, Oh, well, maybe it was the end of the innings and she saw both <laughs> of them go. Which is very feasible. Like, come on, <laughs> she's not, like, she's, she knows what she's she watching. She doesn't. She knows what she's she watching. She doesn't know anyway, what you're talking about. So, um, I, after I defended, just let's, let's just hear the audio of that. Robert, no offence to your niece, but I think she's 1,000% wrong. That did not happen. It just, it just can't happen. It's not a rule. You can't do that. Are you Can't. really going to question what she saw? Yeah, I think she Were saw you it. Were there? I think she saw it. What? I think she saw the catch and she the, the player turned around and threw the stumps down and the niece thought two people were out, but it wasn't. It was just oh, the core batsman. Thank you for explaining what she saw, Menace. Well, but it just, it just never happens. That's How do you know that this didn't not, happen? Unless they're playing like crazy cricket or something. There's no rules. Maybe they were. Maybe they were playing a revised rules. Revised I rules. Don't well. Know. 
But in saying I, that, just saying categorically that, sitting there and going, "This did not happen." To be well, fair, I will not be hearing that. Well, I he will, wasn't a hundred percent sure. He was a thousand percent sure. I'm a thousand percent sure. You, yeah, man, your was, niece is lying about this. <laughs> your niece, I, I will say though, your that, niece is deliberately <laughs> slandering the good game of cricket, Robert. A, that's what we'd like to get. Maybe across. we could investigate if you could send the details, Robert. Of no, the, I would a hundred percent encourage that. Of the game, yeah. Then I'll look it up on my cricket and see, you know, what what happened. But um, we will contact the club if necessary. In saying that, I commentated on some women's regional cricket, and no one told me that there was more than eleven allowed to play. So I was looking at, and this batter came out. I was like, she's not even in the team. And they were like, oh no, she's she's the, like the thirteenth player who's batting. So is so it maybe possible? This is is it possible cr- that you are wrong? No, I no, just, he's not. No, he's not wrong. No, he's right. It's um, wrong, right, that this didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Can't happen. No. Can't happen. So, but, but perhaps they were playing, I don't know, a revised... No. Yeah, no. Nah. Nah. Uh, Robert's Robert, niece is wrong. Robert, I'm with you, niece. Wrong. I'd like Thanks to... Thanks for subscribing, Robert, but she is wrong. Robert, I, um, I am of the open mind in this room that perhaps they were playing some sort of variation or they changed the rules for some sort of reason. I don't know. Okay. I, maybe she wasn't... You know what I think has happened here? <laughs> Was she watching Sydney grade cricket? But, but she might have been watching some another. She Bora. Might, yeah, I don't know. Was but, she? But, no, but, but she might. Robert's have been watching. asking if this could happen in Test cricket. Robert knows this couldn't happen. No, in test it can't cricket. happen. In He's test. a very intelligent it can't happen man. In test he knows cricket. this is a farcical question. Maybe what happened was that if, if, if I caught someone and I realised that the non-strikers also out of their yeah, crease, I'd thing. probably break the bales as a bit of a joke. Yeah, or, or you just you, you reflexes you might. But do they it. didn't both walk off no. unless it was unless it was the last wicket of the match of the innings, and they both walked off anyway. But and so she thought they were both out. Yeah, Either I just want to. I just want to know: Was she watching a Sydney grade cricket final? Maybe that'll mm. open up more possibilities for us. Robert, Maybe she was you, watching get your something. Needs to else. get in touch, and I'll run through the rules with her. I just won't hear her slandered. So after that, uh, Robert has um, written in again and said, "Right." My reliable niece has forwarded details of the game in question. It wasn't grade cricket, as I suspected. My mistake in brackets. Last man stands, Eastern Suburbs, Div 6 on the 11th of April. The double dismissal took place in the second innings, caught and run out. So as I suspected, it did happen. It did happen. It was just in another form of cricket it's, that she but it's didn't not cricket. know. It's, it's Mickey Mouse you, cricket, uh, which is no, no, no sorry, problem with if the you go to last, last man if, stands, but they play their own rules. If you go I to mean, last it's, like, it's, it's like Paul walking past some backyard cricket and someone catches a ball, one hand, one bounce, this and he is goes, sorry, I walk I, past a test match and they, to, they're playing one hand, one I bounce If I go to now. the website where the, rules, where the rules actually are, which Robert kindly pointed out, uh, it's got A.B. de Villiers here explaining all of these. Is he not a real cricketer? I'm not saying this competition's not real. I, I love Last Man Stands. I know some of them listen to the competition. but compa- Menace, menace. It is a cricket competition in Sydney and this happened. This is called Can't Let It Go, but on this occasion, you need to let it go. We were wrong. We weren't wrong. We were wrong. We weren't wrong. Jaleesa was correct. Robert's niece was correct. It's a... The triviality, whether it was great or not, we were saying it. Just, you know, it just couldn't happen. Um, In I'm, cricket, I, last man stands has its own rules. I I um, apologise and I retract all my statements and I bow to Jaleesa's greater wisdom and to Robert's niece's greater wisdom. And you should do the same. I'd like an apology from Robert. 
<laughs> about not framing that question correctly. He said it was grade cricket. It's nowhere near grade cricket. That's <laughs> like saying, oh, well, 100 ball cricket isn't cricket. No, it's like you walking past like someone cricket. playing in the backyard and no, going, this is an oh, act- I saw someone playing no, test this cricket. this is an actual competition. This is I'm not saying it's not an actual competition. Eastern but Suburbs, Div 6. So what? Okay. What? So is Div 6 in last so man's dance. Not even Div 1 in last so man's dance. So is 100 – well, obviously they've got multiple divisions. It's a pretty good competition. So – so you know, like the hundred ball cricket, is that not cricket, Manners? No, but if uh, it, so no, is that but, cricket? But this is a different case altogether. It is cricket. Had she was said, watching a cricket my game. My niece saw some last man stands, and there was a double play. I would have said, "Well, you never know," because they play that is bullshit. Because I said that last week. I said maybe it was another form of cricket, and you said no, 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 <laughs> can't happen, can't okay. happen. Well, um, so that's bullshit. I think we're both right in our own ways. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'd like an apology from Robert about that question. Um, go all right, on. Paul, what's I your can't you, let Robert. it go? Do, do you have another can't let it go or that's it? Just yeah, I bashing did. manners. I did. And like, to be honest, I've completely forgotten. Oh, no, I know what my other can't let it go is. Yes, my <laughs> other can't let it go was the departure. And this, honestly, I know we get like, let's not be too New South Wales centric, but I'm going to be. The departure of Jodie Hawkins from the general manager role of the Sydney Sixers. Um, she is leaving after a restructure, and I just think it's it's a bit it's a bit shit. It is very 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 sad. She's uh, she's taken them to back to back titles, the men's side, and she is very much loved by the players, as you could tell with Sean Abbott in his speech at the New South Wales Cricket Awards was praising her and just everything that she had done. And I just think it was it's not good optics. I mean, you had a, high, a female in a really high administrative role who had taken this team to two back-to-back titles and now she's not there. And I just think, well, not only did you have a – you know, you had a female in that job, you had a female who was killing it in that job. and Bad look. Yeah, I just thought it was a bad look and a really weird decision. And I wonder how this restructure's – going to go so that was really disappointing my understanding is that like she was offered another job but it wasn't quite you know as senior as that and fair enough like she should move on to bigger and better things but disappointing definitely you need more female administrators not less Paul, your can't let it go? I didn't think we were doing them this week because in the notes it had been completely deleted and there was nothing there. And suddenly I get there and there's the printed copy and, and they're there. I have one though. Usually it's deleted. It's caught short on this Yeah, segment. but normally you don't delete an entire well, segment. But um, also in brackets you always have doesn't have to be every week. Yeah. And then when I don't do it, you're like, where uh, is it? This week he's deleted that whole section and then he's put it in at last minute. Anyway, mine is that um, <laughs> cricket is inching again towards the Olympics. I've said it before, the Olympics shouldn't want cricket in there. Cricket shouldn't be in the Olympics because golf and tennis and those sports don't belong in there. But if the Olympics wants to have cricket, then yes, cricket should say yes. If you want us, we are in. I don't think there's any downside to it. Um, Exposure, fun. And if it has to be T10 to make it um, palatable and quick, I'm all for that. So I'd love to see T10 cricket in the Olympics. And anyone anyone who says, oh, it's not real cricket, whatever else, just look at the upside. You know, it's better to have cricket in the Olympics than not as far as cricket is concerned. Definitely. Well, I'm on the same theme for my can't let it go. The first one is cricket is back in the Commonwealth Games and for the first time it's women's cricket. So the Australian women's team is qualified for the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Uh, so that is very exciting. Paul and I will no doubt remember when Australia won 
Silver. Silver medal. 98, Kuala Lumpur, That's South right. Africa won. That's right. I was very disappointed when we lost that final. So was I. I bought into this whole thing about let's get a gold medal. Yeah, for sure. Um, and England didn't even play, didn't they? No. Yeah. It shows how much more Australia care about Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games than any other country in the world. And my final can't let it go. And on the Olympic theme that they're redoing, they're renovating the Gabba. But there's a real, and they're doing this for the 2032 Olympics that mm. Brisbane could host. There's a real concern now that they will actually remove the Gabba wicket and replace it with a drop-in pitch. So, uh, oh. yeah, that's a bit of a, a worrying like. issue because it's such a good cricket wicket and what you don't want at the Gabba is a sort of a lifeless drop-in wicket. Imagine if this has all been, the whole Brisbane bid has been secretly funded by the AFL out of Melbourne, just to get a drop-in wicket at the Gabba, just to make you upset. An update, I'm going to the <laughs> AFL on Saturday night, my first game in 25 years. So I'll probably run into Robert Fairhead there. That's great. Yep. Uh, and when are you going to the NRL? Um, <laughs> pass. Pass. What's it, what is it about the NRL? Uh, it's just a bit of a slow game for me. It doesn't so flow. Wait a minute. Have you noticed that you follow cricket? That's, yeah. Uh, some people would say... <laughs> <laughs> Not me, but some people, about 7 billion, would say cricket is quite a slow game. Well, I'll let you know slow, next week how the it. AFL went. Uh, Jaleesa, what's happening for you in the next week? Just um, lots of rugby league, uh, not much cricket, <laughs> but, yeah, just, just with 10. So Yep, if you're in Australia, you'll be able to catch Jaleesa on the news. Starts yeah. at 5 o'clock. Channel 10. Goes two for an hour and a half. Hits. Two sports hits. Two sports hits. Lots of sports to fill. One thing that is happening for our Patreon subscribers, I just released a, a feature interview with Lisa Stalaker. Paul's releasing another Dennett deep dive in the next week. Next guest on Men's Masterclass is the one and only Greg Chappell. So yeah, I can't wait lots for Lots happening. Head to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered. Jaleesa, have a great week. Paul, you too. And we'll be back next week with another show. <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.